Hello everyone, um, welcome to this podcast edition with CND and Medlen. My name is Nana, I'm the Clinical and Custom Content Editor here at CND. And today we bring you a partnership between CND and Medlen to bring you IP training. We're going to be talking to Fahim Ahmed, the General Supreme of Medlen and of IP training. Thank you very much for joining us, Fahim. It's great to be here, Nana. Thank you. So this is our first part of 12 series. So before we get started, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and why you decided to start up MedLearn? Sure. So for those of you who don't know me, my name is Fahim. I'm a pharmacist prescriber, contractor, founder of MedLearn and also a medical student. And this might be new to Nana, it might be news for you. But yes, I'm also studying medicine as well. Essentially, why I started MedLearn was because of my struggles. So this actually started around seven years ago. And when I set up my pharmacy business, I was very content with what I was doing. You, you know, when you start to run a business, your focus changes from clinical all the way to, to business. You're pretty much number crunching and you're looking to grow your, your empire. At that time, I always knew that the pharmacy model has to change. I felt, you know, that the pharmacy, the way the funding was, the way the items were, not actually getting the reward that they used to, something had to change. So I decided to do IP. I thought if I attend university for six months, why I thought this, but magically I would just learn how to diagnose, manage and treat everybody who walked through my door. No, no, I don't know why I thought this. <laughs> and I will be able to then set up a clinic because we had patients who would say, I can't find a doctor. I'd like to be seen. You know, there's a lot of stuff that I, if you could see me. <laughs> absolutely. There's a lot of stuff that I felt we could do. For example, rather than hydrocortisone, why could I not prescribe something like, let's say, Umavay or Betnavay? Yeah. You know, we've got a patient who has a UTI. Why could you I not prescribe? <laughs> exactly. I, I, I want to treat this and I couldn't. So I thought that if I did my IP training, it would teach me the skills that I would need to safely to manage, diagnose, and treat disease, and then set up a clinic. However, when I saw my first patient, everything fell apart. <laughs> because actually treating a patient, there's a lot more to it than simply knowing the knowledge that we have. And I remember the story my brother said, right, Fahim, you've got your qualification, this is perfect. So I saw my first patient and I said, no, 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 I can't treat this patient, this patient has to be referred. And Basim said, no problem. It's your first try, no problem. On the same day, a second patient came. Same story. <laughs> By the third patient, he said, right, are you either pulling my leg? What is wrong with you? And honestly, <laughs> I was in tears. Yeah. He said, what happened? I said, Basim, I don't have that depth of knowledge to treat this person. I don't know what I'm doing. And I felt well out of my depth. Yeah. Now, I was quite fortunate to have good connections. My wife's a doctor and so on. And while I was doing the IP course, I would say to her, Pfizer, you've taken seven, eight years to become a doctor. I will do this in six months. And she goes, what? I said, watch me in six months. I will be <laughs> diagnosing. I'll be treating. It's going to be easy. Yes. I think, I think that's, that's, that's something that we get told about this IP as pharmacists that we think, because we're in practice, we think once we get that certification, we can do it. That's it. That's it. And, and it's not all the fault of the course itself because the course is not designed what we're looking for. And then I asked her, you know, how do I do this safely? And I sat down with the doctors, 
friends, family, all the doctors. And about seven, eight of them, they said, look, you don't have to learn everything, but there's certain things you have to know. You have to know how to take a history properly. You have to know how to examine properly. You have to know your differentials properly. Mm -hmm. You have to know internal medicine. Yes. Once I did all this, I started practicing. And it was my other brother who said, why don't you help others? If you're struggling, there must be others who are struggling. And that's why we came up with MedLearn, that actually, why don't we provide medical education and help other pharmacists who might be struggling to gain entry to university, don't have advice about the course itself, are not aware of how to access funding or what's out there, what area to practice it, and teach them clinical skills. And we then went on to teaching them how to set up a pharmacy business and clinic. That's essentially how this all started. Yeah. Now, I think we've been speaking for a while now, and we've been trying to get this program together. This partnership, this date that we've been on, we, it's like the high school where I've known you, you've known me, I've exactly. liked you, you've liked me, but it's never, yeah, we've never said like, I want to get out of here. Right but yeah, <laughs> we, we made it happen. We made it happen. Oh, we're here now. Because one thing that I really found exciting and interesting about MedLearn and about what you guys have done is, is the clinical training that you give. And also, because a lot of pharmacists, we approach clinical training and it's either really dumbed down or it's way above our heads. It uses big Latin words that we didn't do in pharmacy school. What I really like about what MedLearn does is basically gauging it at just the right place, just for pharmacists. So could you just tell us some of the things that you guys do? So what are some of the things that we can find if we come on MedLearn? First of all, I've been quite fortunate to be a pharmacist first. And I've had the, you know, with the will of God and colleagues and friends, I've also been fortunate to be a contractor. I've also been fortunate to work in GP surgery. So I've been very lucky with my experience. Now, what I found overall, what do pharmacists want? Number one, all of us, so not just pharmacists, everybody wants to be financially stable. So that's got, it's not pharmacy specific, it's generally in life because, you know, you know, people say money doesn't buy you happiness, but it doesn't have to. It solves problems. It solves problems, you know. And like they say, everybody wants to get rich and they want to find out for themselves. But everyone tells you, oh, money doesn't bring you happiness, but let me find out for myself. So number one, I firmly believe that we should all be financially stable. So that's important. So that was one thing that was that was important for me. Number two, what we wanted to teach people is how you set up a business and don't make the mistakes that I made. So that's another thing that we do. So number one, we help pharmacists to become financially stable by giving them the skill set, which is the next area of how you diagnose and treat disease. Because there's a shortage of doctors in the UK. There's 2.8 doctors to 1,000 people. NHS waiting times have not been here hit for years. The NHS is crying for support. However, with the way politics works and the way things trickle down, right now the contract isn't designed for us to prescribe. But in Wales and in Scotland, it already is. There it is, yes. Already prescribed in Scotland. You can already prescribe in Wales. So what I said was, let's see what a pharmacist wants. Number one, they want to have job satisfaction. And you don't train all these years to just make sure that the packaging is right. Let's be honest. Pack boxes, yeah. And pack boxes. So that was one thing I felt, actually, how would we feel more satisfied and feel more what we fulfilled that would be by helping people. How can we help people clinically? And I'm a firm believer that irrespective of who you are, everybody should have access to great healthcare and it should be delivered by people like yourself and myself who are fulfilled by what they do. How do we get fulfillment? It's not just money. That's something we need anyway. What's important is 
the clinical skills. That if I see a patient, I can say, right, right, Nana, you need to go to hospital because you have a pulmonary embolism. You need to go to hospital because you may have a DVT. So one thing that we do is we help pharmacists to become clinically trained. And we do it at a level where we build them up. Everybody starts somewhere. That's why we take them from start to finish. Another thing that pharmacists wanted to do is how do we set up a pharmacy safely and how do we set up a private clinic? I don't want to work in a GP practice. I don't want to work in a pharmacy, but I want to give myself the same opportunity that you did and set something up. So we help you to set up something privately, whether it's a pharmacy or a private clinic, become CQC registered, that's that. And I think that's such an interesting thing to do because a lot of pharmacists, like especially community pharmacists, we don't know how to present that. Like if you own your own pharmacy, good enough, you can make those mistakes. But a lot of people work for other contractors. It's like, how do I present my IP to set up a clinic to show the contractor that it's worth it? Which I think is very important skill set. Absolutely. Because I think that's a really smart move. Why do you want to take the risk when you can go to a contract and say, look, here we go. For a, let me rent out your space. And if you're not going to let me rent out your space, let's do a partnership model. And I'm a firm believer of that because I don't see why you need to spend all that money when you can, you can manage your risk. So business is all about taking calculated risk. It's not about being foolish. So that's why I think absolutely, I think the way you present yourself is very important and the way you communicate is very important. So helping you with your career development, giving you options, giving you choices, networking with the right people, setting up your clinic, developing your clinical skills, and then helping you become a prescriber because the number one difficulty in becoming a prescriber is finding a doctor or someone who's willing to train you, support you, and encourage you. And that's what we do. Okay. So for for this segment, we were going to focus on the first step because before you do all of this stuff, we both know, like you said about being financially secure, you need to get the funding, don't you? So how would you advise a pharmacist to go about finding the funding? Or how would you tell someone to start looking for funding? Where is the best place to go for funding for the IP courses? So for the IP course, the funding started last year around autumn 2022. They had announced 3,000 places. The funding was meant to expire in March 23. However, there is talk that that might be extended, and I'm sure at some point they will extend it. In terms of how you get access to funding, the first thing you have to do is you have to find an approved university. So not every university gets access to HEE funding. That's a mistake. What had to happen was the universities had to tender for the funding, and once you won the tender, you got the funding. So when you go onto the HEE website and you type in approved suppliers for IP training HEE, the list will come up. We'll put the links in there for this segment. Absolutely. Once you click on that link, you get a list of suppliers. So at the top of my head, Salford managed to get funding. UCL managed to get funding. King's got funding. Ready got funding. DMU got funding. So majority of the top universities, the commonly known universities, got funding. So what you have to do for you to get access to funding, you don't have to do anything specific. You apply to the university, you inform the university that you want to have funding, but the key thing is that your university application should demonstrate value to the NHS, 
such that you can get funding. For example, if you made an application for aesthetics, Botox and fillers, you're not likely to get funding. Instead, if you said, I want to learn how to manage minor illnesses, like a UTI, earache, sore throat, I want to reduce the burden of the NHS, and your scope of practice is written perf- well, nothing is perfect, written well, you would be a candidate for funding. So you don't have to do anything specific. Everything depends on your application. You inform the university. They will allocate the funding to you. You don't know nothing specific as long as you find a university that has won the HEE tender. I think that explains it very straightforward, really. So basically, the funding is there. Now it's just up to pharmacists to go get it. Yeah. Community pharmacies have access to funding. Local pharmacies, you have access to funding. Okay. If you're working in a GP practice, you have access to funding. If you're working in a hospital, you have access to funding. A lot of students get in touch, oh, but I am a local pharmacist. You all have access to funding. You all have access to funding. That is very, that's a very um, interesting point to make, really, because I, w- I would have, I, I, if I was a local, I would have hesitated to go for it. Um, so basically, it's, there is no excuse for pharmacists to not go for the IP. And I think with knowing the fact that the plan is for every pharmacist to graduate, with an IP for all the pharmacists at the moment, if you're in practice and you don't have an IP, you really don't have an excuse to not do it at the moment. Absolutely. And I think there's also a risk that you'll become de-skilled. Yeah. Because everybody else is going to qualify, let's say by 2025, 26, you'll be a prescriber. Yeah. If you see yourself in pharmacy in the next five years, you should be looking to gain your prescribing qualification. Yeah. Also, I know that at MedLearn, one thing that you guys do really well is access to the funding is one thing. So also taking the students through getting started as an IP. Because I know one thing from my perspective, a lot of my friends that did start the IP was basically picking what topic to do. And I know we're going to do a, a whole session on how to go about picking your topic and making sure that your criteria is right. One thing that I did want to ask is, once you've got access to the funding, what are the sort of things that you should be thinking about before taking the step to start your IP? I think number one is planning your year and having access to the right tutor. One of the mistakes that I made was I thought that the university would be teaching me everything. That's not what happens. Everything is dependent on your experience and your, what we say, your designated prescribing practitioner, who may be a doctor, who may be a nurse, who may be a pharmacist prescriber, a nurse prescriber. But ultimately, this person should be one, actively prescribing. This person should have some sort of teaching skills. This person should have a process in place, a teaching system in place to take you on a journey. So as an IP, what you should be thinking, university is not the problem. What I need to make sure is I need to find a mentor, and I use the word mentor, who can take me on a journey and assist me from A to Z who's going to give me the opportunity to learn, is going to give me the opportunity to observe, give me the opportunity to practice, and will he be there after six months? Because your university course is only 90 hours. And where students get stuck is they do their 90 hours, what happens afterwards? So I think the most important thing you should be thinking is, do I have the right person to coach me and take me on a journey? That's what I would recommend if that's one thing you should be thinking about. I just want to add one thing. I just want to add one thing in terms of study time. 
honestly, if you can dedicate anywhere to 20 to 30 minutes a day for six okay. months, it's more than enough. More than enough. That's that's a very interesting because I would have I would have thought it would have required a lot more time. Small amounts consistently. One thing you have to remember, Nana, even with yourself and myself, we're not at university anymore. So our nine hour days are not packed with university. You've got work, you've got family, you've got kids, you've got all sorts happening. So you've got to be realistic. That's why I meant about planning your year. So I tell all my colleagues and all my students, 30 minutes a day is more than enough. Because in a, in a week, that's 180 hours. In a month, it starts to add up. So it yeah. works out a lot. This is not requiring you to do 50 hours a week of study. Just 30 minutes every day, you can't go wrong. It's just like the recommendation for exercise. Uh, there you go. Absolutely. <laughs> Easier said than done. So one thing that also was really exciting. So with, in MedLearn, you guys do help with the students getting the DSPs, the prescribers. So what are some of the ways you go about matching students with prescribers? I mean, you mentioned about making sure that the prescribers have time and have that. Do you guys help foster that relationship? Yeah. So first what we do is we will help a student through the university process. So helping you with your application form, choosing you the right scope of practice, helping you plan your year, helping you write your personal statement so you can get access to that funding, number one. Number two, what we do, we then pair you up with Medlin doctors. So we have doctors in the London area, Birmingham, Oxford, Manchester, all the major key areas. These doctors have been trained and have been primed with a similar philosophy with Medlin, and that is that they understand that we have to take these students on a journey and help them become the best versions of themselves. So they will teach you how you take a history. They will teach you how to examine properly. They will teach you how you diagnose, manage, and treat disease. They will teach you the basic sciences that you have to have. And then we support you for one year in total, six months IP and six months after you qualify. Okay. That's what's important. In terms of pairing a student, I will always first find out what setting you're in. If you're in a GP practice, we can do something chronic because you'll have access to all the resources, blood tests, ECGs, everything. So we can do hypertension, we can do asthma and so on. And at that particular time, Maybe a doctor's not best. Maybe it's a nurse prescriber you need because nurses are more experienced in hypertension managing and asthma managing. So we look at your circumstances, look at your area, and then we pair you up with a doctor who is a medlin doctor. That's how we do it. That is, that's a really interesting perspective. And also I'm guessing at Medlin, all your prescribers would have already done this before because they would have already had a student before. So they would be experienced in doing it. Absolutely. And and one of the advantages that they've had is that having been trained by me and pharmacists first, I know what your needs are and that information has gone to them and they understand, right, this is how we handhold you on a journey. Yeah. We know your pharmacy course. We know what you've been taught. We know what the gaps are. Let's put them together. I think, I mean, at the beginning of this, what we said was the first thing you need to do is to get funding. But I think I'll take that back now because the first thing you need to do is to sign up with MedLearn. Because it looks like you guys will be taking, you take us through the whole journey from the beginning all the way through, which is, I mean, the scariest part about starting an IP is knowing where to take the first step. So I think the first step is very easy for people now. Join MedLearn. Yeah, no, no, no. The first step is the key. Another area is actually doing the right scope of practice. And we'll discuss a lot of this in depth later on. We will do that. But I have students who work in a community pharmacy who will pick things like diabetes and asthma. 
and it all goes pear-shaped simply because it's not that you're not capable, you don't have access to the right resources and then you fall flat on your face because university will expect a lot of academic work from you, access to stuff which you don't have. So funding is important, choosing your scope is important, having the right doctor to mentor you and an after support because the GPHC have also made it clear that they don't want pharmacists working all alone. They want you to be part of a team. And one of the questions they ask you on your application form is, how will you develop your support network afterwards? It's now a requirement. 500 words. Tell us how you're going to develop your scope of practice, develop your support network afterwards. What's your plan? And I think that also shows the value of signing up to Medline, really, because these are things that you wouldn't, especially if you're a locum or you're a pharmacist out there by yourself, you wouldn't necessarily think or know how to do these things without having... Because how do you build a network, especially as locums? Hardly do locums go to like LPC meetings or these places where you bump into other professionals. So I think a lot of pharmacists and a lot of locums out there, um, even community pharmacy, you end up becoming an island. It just becomes you and your team. Absolutely spot on. That's it. And you're, you're in your little world. That's it. So I think the key thing is, you know, it's networking. For example, I know Nana, Nana knows me. That's how you build relationships and that's how you, because people need people. Yeah. So definitely, I think, you know, networking, knowing the right people takes you far. I think in both in both of our working um, life, we, we can both be testament of the fact of the power of networking and the power of knowing people and how that helps in your professional development. I have to say this has been even though this is our first one, I've learned a lot. I'm really looking forward to us doing a lot more of this. We're going to have to cut this one here, make it a quick and a fast one, make a snippet. What I will say is thank you very much for him for doing this. Um, for everyone listening, make sure you visit the CND room. CND is connection with Medlen. We have a specific room in the CND community. You'll have all our content and all the links and all the access you need there. If you have any questions or any comments, make sure you like and join the room because then you will get updates to everything that we're going to do. You can comment, you can leave um, notes, you can tell us what you want to know for the next session that we do. So please make sure you do that. Thank you very much for listening. Um, without any other further ado, thank you very much, Fahim. Thank you, Nana. I appreciate it. And, and again, you know, big thanks to CND and everything that Nana's doing. You know, it's really important to stay close to the right people. And pharmacists, you're more than capable of achieving this. There's nothing stopping you but yourself. Thank you, Fahim. Thank you so much. Speak to you soon and see you guys on our next topic. Bye.